Welcome to the first soccer, a parent's perspective, where we'll be discussing what the coaches and refs really wish you, the parent, knew about the beautiful game. The goal of this podcast is to bridge the gap between the parents and coaches and refs. I will attempt to explain the game and rules in a way you can understand. That way, when you're out there watching Tim, you can just enjoy his game. This idea came to me recently. Uh, my nieces just started playing the beautiful game. They started playing at the academy level, and my sister didn't play this level she played when she was younger but she stopped and so she would always text me with questions asking hey uh this coach said this and i don't understand what he means what does he mean when he says my niece is a natural two or natural seven uh what does this rule mean i don't understand offsides i don't understand this i don't understand that and then uh, i'd go and i'd start watching my nieces play and I'd be on the sidelines with the rest of the parents listening to the parents talk. And this was one of the first times I'd really been able to stand over there by the parents and listen to the parents talk. I've always either been on the field playing, refing, or on the other sideline with the coaches. And you can't hear the parents. And even when you're a ref right there with the parents, you just learn to tone them out. So I decided, I was sitting there one day, and I was like, man, all this information needs to be in one place, one easy place for the parents to go get this information. That's where I got the idea for this podcast was, hey, I need to put this information in one place. A podcast is easy for parents to listen to while they're working, while they're driving. It's it's easy for them to digest. Uh, I love podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. One of my favorites, Joe Rogan's, and it's I've learned a lot listening to his podcast, and I've found that I learn a lot from podcasts, so that's where the idea for the podcast came from. Now, about myself, I've grown up playing the game. I've been playing for like 30-some-odd years. I started playing when I was 35. Uh, I've also refed and coached at different levels. Um, like I said, I started playing when I was five years old. I started at the local Y I then moved on to the classic level at the time. Classic was what the academy level is now, and classic was considered the highest level that you played at. There was some travel, and we traveled for tournaments, but it wasn't like travel ball nowadays. Uh, you very much still played each other in town. Each, you know, everybody, you know, in town we had three or four different clubs, and you all played each other. Then I moved on to high school. Uh, in high school, actually, I got too old to play club ball, youth club ball. So I started playing uh, adult league at like 16, which was the youngest you could be to play adult league soccer. I played it at that. I played adult league at 16 because uh, I couldn't find a I couldn't find a 16 team where I could play at 16 or 17 years, 16, 17, 18 years old. And then uh, I was playing high school around that time. I played at two different high schools because I moved at, after my ninth grade year, I moved to a 4A school. Uh, while I was at the 3A school, I played 8th grade and started ninth grade. I started ninth grade varsity. I played junior varsity and was a bubble player at 8th grade. Uh, then I played 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. I was not a starter at 4A. I was a sub for them. Uh, but also we were nationally ranked at one point in time. We were nationally, we were number one in the nation. I played on a very high, very skilled team. Uh, majority of the team went on to play college ball. I did not. I was offered to walk onto a team. I decided I didn't want to 
walk-on team. I, if I wasn't getting a scholarship, I didn't see the need for playing, which was dumb on my part. But you live and you learn. Uh, and then from then on, I played uh, played adult league rest of my life. From the time I was about 13, maybe 14 years old. I can't remember what the youngest you could start refing was at the time. But whatever the youngest age you could start refing at the time, I started refing. And it was a very it was a double-edged sword. It was a very good experience. And I would recommend that everybody at least goes and takes the course to get your refing license once in their life. Uh, you learn a lot about the rules. You learn, pick up a lot need to know about the sport. I would almost say everybody that's going to play at a high level needs to take it. The double-edged sword about it is it will also make you hate the sidelines. Uh, a lot of teams, a lot of fans uh, and parents on the sidelines can be pretty pretty ruthless to kids, kids on, that ref on the sidelines. I would be very careful about when you actually start reffing. But if you have a good center that takes care of his linemen, you'll get protected. A lot of the old veteran refs protect the youth ref, the younger guys, younger guys and girls. They'll really look out for them. So it's worth, it's worth doing. And if you need extra pocket, extra money for your pockets and you're young, you can't really beat it. You can make a lot of money as a ref, a lot of extra money on the side. I very much enjoyed it. And I've been thinking about going back and doing it again. Also, at that age, uh, around that same time, I started as an assistant ref. I was helping my dad coach my younger brother. And it was very beneficial doing both all three of these things when I was very young. I picked up on a lot of that you a lot of stuff you wouldn't pick up on as a player. One of the things I picked up on a ref to go back to the ref the referee thing real quick was how you react to close calls on out-of-bounds plays. One thing I learned as a ref is you can pick up on, if you if you missed whose ball it was on a throw-in, one of the things you can do is you can look at the players and look at how the players react. Typically, if the ball went out on a player, that player is going to walk away. So if you, as a player, if you act like it's your ball and you're confident it's your ball, a lot of times you'll get calls that you should go the other way. As a coach, being young like that and helping my dad analyze the players and stuff like that, I picked up on a lot of the cues that it takes a lot of coaches a long time to pick up on. It was very good doing both of those at a young age. So I learned a lot about the game that you don't when you're confined to playing and what's going on inside the sidelines. You don't get a wide view like you do as a coach or a ref. After I got out of high school, I stopped ref or coaching for a while. And then about 27, I picked it back up again when I got back from Iraq and started uh, and had extra time and money. I started coaching again. I was coaching at the academy level as an assistant, and I got partnered up with a lot of good coaches. Uh, one in particular, actually two I could think of in particular, and I helped the third one. Every once in a while, and got trained by a third one that was also very, very good. And hopefully, I'll have these guys on the podcast to talk as well because I very much value their opinions, and I think their opinions can help out a good bit. And I was on my way to getting work. I got my E license. I was working on my D and my C, and then unfortunately, life came in. Didn't have the time to coach anymore, like I 
feel you need to give if you're a coach. Uh, hopefully I'll be picking it back up again. Depends on what happens in life. Stuff we'll cover in this podcast uh, to wrap it up into a nice little bow. Nice short little thing. We'll be going over rules that a lot of people don't understand. Offsides is a big one I know I'm going to be covering. And in what constitutes actually in and out of bounds, I'll definitely be covering. What actually constitutes a goal, I'll be covering. We'll be going over positions. Uh, what is a 2? What is a 3? What is a 9? What is a 10? What constitutes a natural 10? What constitutes a natural 9? What constitutes a natural XYZ position? Uh, we'll probably go over some formations. Highly used formations. Probably also be talking about what to look for in coaches and what they're doing for practices and stuff like that. That'll be the type of stuff we cover for this podcast. But that's it for the first one. Trying to keep it nice and short so you get an understanding of what this podcast is about. If you've got any questions, comments, concerns, gripes, want to yell at me, hey, whatever. I'm here to answer questions. I'm here to begin a conversation. Hit me up on my email or any of the natural social media sites. Until the next time, have a good day. Remember, we're out here for the kids to have fun.